You're listening to the SSPX Podcast, and welcome to episode 34 of the Crisis in the Church series. Today, we're joined again by Don Tranquilo to discuss one of the more hot-button issues of the entire traditional Catholic movement, sedevacantism, or the idea that the Pope is not the Pope, or at least does not have the authority to be the Pope. This flows directly from the last episode we did on obedience and its limits, but it takes it to the next step entirely. There are several different categories or theories within the set of a contest structure. We'll discuss a couple of the most widespread ideas, but broadly, they all share a single disturbing commonality, that those who hold these ideas will necessarily open the door to the wholesale destruction of the hierarchical Catholic Church. If you'd like to learn more about this series we're doing on the crisis in the church or go back and revisit our previous 33 episodes, or if you want to support this project, please visit sspxpodcast.com slash crisis. Now, we'll turn to our conversation with Don Tranquilo. Welcome back to the SSPX Podcast and our next episode in the Crisis in the Church series. And happy to welcome back Don Tranquilo. Hello, Father. How are you today? Hi, nice to see you again. Fine, thank you. You as well. Very, very good to have you back for uh, this second time. And last episode that we had you on, about five episodes ago, we were speaking about collegiality. Uh, today we're speaking about something that is related in that it has to do with the papacy. And, and you had said that a lot of the, or some of the topics, some of the main points that we discussed in that episode will help us, uh, to inform this episode. So this episode is all about sedevacantism. So yes. can we start with just understanding what is sedevacantism? What, what is the sedevacantist position? Mm-hmm. Yes. As you know, after the council, or the problem of these popes, the, the new popes, uh, holding heretical thesis, actually, heretical statements, or writing them in their documents, or in the documents of the council, uh, that was a problem, actually, because how, have, how can we relate ourselves to an authority that is uh, apparently out of the church in some way? Uh, that's what they would say. They would say if, if these people are become heretics, they are no longer popes, for example, or they lose their authority. That was a solution because they should be infallible. How can they say heresies and even in some way, in some way, apparently teach them? So they are heretics. They cannot be part of the church, and so even less popes, popes, and uh, they lose everything. By the day they say heresy, they are no longer popes, for example. They lose their jurisdiction. That's what we talked about in the episode of collegiality, the question of the origin of jurisdiction for the bishops and the popes and so on. And that's the, their point. Uh, they were, we are all in front of a problem, heretical people having authority or apparently having authority in the church. How can we solve that? How can we save the dogma of infallibility, for example, uh, and uh, the primacy of the Holy See, and uh, to put that, that together with these people having authority, apparently authority in the church now, saying heresies, spreading errors, spreading modernism, and many other scandals uh, about doctrine, the very essence of papacy to transmit doc- doctrine, seems to be lost. So they say, they say they cannot be popes, they are no longer popes, and they have authorities on their sides, apparently, still we will see, apparently, uh, to say that many theologians seem seem to have foreseen this possibility, and say and they said, they quote a lot of theologians of the past, doctors, having said that if a pope falls into heresy, he loses the papacy. He loses the papacy. He's no longer a pope, so it's okay. We have not to obey to him. So they say you, the society, you say that they are popes, but you disobey to them. How is that possible? This is, this is not Catholic. Your position is not Catholic. They say, and so uh, their uh, opinion is uh, becomes for them. Uh, essential to remain Catholics in this moment. That's why they are very strong in their 
positions is because they say if you do not hold our position, will, will you lose the faith? You would say that popes are not infallible because they, you say they say heresies. We agree with them about that. We agree that there are heresies in the council or errors against the faith in the council and after that. So they say to us, you say there are heresies, you say these people say heresies, and then you obey to the you, you you don't want to obey to them even if you say they have authority. So how is that possible? You are no longer a Catholic. You say they are fallible, not infallible. Hmm? So you are denying dogmas. They say to us, you are denying dogmas. Uh, and so what is the answer? That is our question uh, today. How uh, uh, is that right? Is that so simple that they lose papacy and everything is fine. According to them, once we have seen that they are no longer popes, so it's okay, we have no problems as, uh, elsewhere, coming from elsewhere. It's, everything is fine, we have solved the crisis in the church or the problem, and we can go on to be Catholics, refusing the authority of uh, uh, Pope Francis or Benedict or John Paul II, the first and so on, and up to Paul VI or John XXIII. They are not, not all together in this question. Then they have many schools, many positions, slightly different, uh, but the main things, obviously, they have in common, is to say that since John, John XXIII or uh, Paul VI, they, uh, the, the, the popes uh, have lost their authority, so they are not popes actually, not true popes, false popes, anti-popes if you like, it doesn't matter, but they are not popes, so they have not, not the power of governing and teaching the church. That's the question. That's the vacantism in its essence. And we have seen they have some reasons, they seem to have some reasons in what they say, obviously. Right. There was a, um, I'd like to read just a, a little bit of a, a piece from Bishop Sanborn. He's one of the largest figures, I think, in the Sedevacantist movement, at least here in the United yes. States. Yes, um, internationally, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, um, if one admits that the Novus Ordo changes proceed from the Catholic Church, one must admit that the Catholic Church has defected. For these changes substantially contradict the faith, the morals, worship and discipline of the Catholic Church. But it is impossible, he says, that the Catholic mm -hmm. Church defects. Therefore, it is impossible that these changes proceed from the Catholic Church. So he seems to be saying there is, then there is not this, since these changes are coming from Rome, and since we know that the Church cannot defect, then therefore Rome cannot be enforced. There, there must be a sedevacante, yes. there must be a, an open seat. This sentence taken as it is, we could maybe subscribe to that in a sense, because we could sure. agree that these changes do not come from the Catholic Church, because we say that the new right, for example, is not a Catholic right, it's not a right of expressing the faith. But we have to, we will see why we have to find a different solution to explain that. So we can start okay. even from that, in common with them, saying, okay, we can agree that there are heresies and this cannot come from the Catholic Church. But your solution to say, so there is no longer a hierarchy, is not working. Maybe we do not, uh, we, we haven't found a complete solution to the problem, but yours, it's certainly wrong, and we will see why. Okay. We, we have not right. to, that's very important, we have not to diminish the, the gravity of the crisis of heresies and so on to go against them. And this is not necessary. We have not to say, oh, maybe there are not heresies, maybe they are just mistakes or something, or they doesn't come re really from the mind of the Pope. This is not necessary. This is not, right. not at all. It doesn't matter. We take the, 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 the problem in the highest level. We, we don't need to go to, to diminish it. We agree with them, then we can discuss, but we start agreeing with them that there, there are heresies. It's okay. We are not to discuss that. If this, if our, what we say works, it will work even if we will discover that there are not heresies, maybe or whatever. We, we go right. at, the, at the highest level so that everything is fine. They cannot contradict to that. Right. So, and, and, and also in the same token, Father, it's, 
it's it's understandable for many people to have this this position. Uh, you can you can definitely empathize with with how they are feeling. All of these all of these uh, errors, all of these ch- changes, all of this coming from the Vatican. It's understandable for many people to go. I, they can't be the Pope. Yes, it right? is a reaction. <laughs> can, it is a reaction that somebody tried to to build theologically, but they forgot something, in my opinion, in our opinion. Okay. They forgot something in their reasoning. Uh, they didn't see the consequences of uh, their uh, opinions. That's a problem. That's a problem. Okay. And they made so an analogy. So where do we start then? Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yes, we can try to see why. You see, uh, what they say, they say many theologians in the past have said, many of it is true, if the Pope falls into heresy, he is no longer a Pope. So if he, if he says heresies in public, for example, he, he stops to be the Pope. But what they forget is that these theologians, doctors, obviously for them it was a kind of hypothesis. They tried, this never happened, so it was just a school study, a school case. Uh, they wanted to see all the possibilities. Yes, some there were accusations against some popes in the past, uh, so for some of them it was also a question of uh, solving problems of their time, but maybe they were wrong in some occasions. Anyway, that was they say that. But what they, the, they, the case, the scenario they imagined was that the Pope, yes, fell into heresy, but there was still the rest of the church, or better, the, the hierarchy, bishops or cardinals, even cardinals, uh, having the faith, so going to elect a new pope, simply. Then these theses were problematic because who is in charge of uh, uh, saying, okay, the pope has said an heresy, so uh, we have to um, elect a new one. Who is this man? Who is this? Uh, it doesn't exist. There is not an authority uh, able to do that. The Pope cannot be judged. But and they 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 knew that this was a problem. But because it was a school case, well, they sometimes they tried to solutions. But it's very difficult in practice to do that. Some of these people, not the better one, were conciliarists. So they say if the Pope is heretic, the Council can judge him. Obviously, this is not acceptable uh, for a Catholic at all. Some of them were Catholic, so they couldn't find a proper solution because they didn't know who was uh, in charge to say, okay, it's the moment to elect the new Pope. Doesn't matter now. Let's say that this works. It, what doesn't work is that the case they uh, thought is not our case. Mm-hmm. Why? Because according to every set of accountists of today, mm-hmm. we, have not just, uh, we are not just lacking the Pope, missing the Pope, mm-hmm. but all the hierarchy. Because with the Pope, Pope Paul VI, I don't know, all the bishops in the council, and especially the residential bishops, the bishops with jurisdictions in their diocese, so the hierarchy, strictly speaking, having ordinary jurisdiction from God, from the Pope, from the Pope for the bishops, as we have seen in the episode of collegiality, all of those people, they together, they accepted the new and the new theories of the Council, or the new Mass, and so on, all together. So, all the hierarchy disappeared together, because the Pope fell from his position, but also all the residential bishops, and the Cardinals too, okay, for they, they'll be different, but doesn't matter, they all fell from their positions. So, in a moment, in a glance, all the hierarchy of the Church disappeared. I don't talk about the hierarchy of uh, the holy orders. Hmm. As we have seen, 
This is a very different question. We can have bishops be able to ordain uh, priests or to give confirmation, but this is not the hierarchy of governing. This is just of sanctifying. But the hierarchy of government of the church, of the jurisdiction, pope and uh, bishops in dioceses mainly, uh, of divine right, uh, altogether disappeared. So this is a very different scenario and a very problematic one. How is it possible that the church continue to exist without pope and without hierarchy? You would say, they would say sometime, uh, when the pope dies, there is no pope, so what's the problem? Hmm? Sure, sure. We have, uh, instead of a few days or a few years, we have 50 years, 60 years of vacancy of the Holy See. Why not? There is a reason why not. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Pope, when he dies, of course, the supreme power disappears with him. Sure. But the effects of his power, the jurisdiction coming from our Lord to him, and just to him, the effects of that are still there. The effects are mainly for what uh, what we are talking about. They are that there are bishops in their dioceses having ordinary jurisdiction received by him, by the Pope. So, obviously, this is not the supreme power, but it is an ordinary power of jurisdiction. Hmm? So, ordinary jurisdiction still exists within the church. Power of governing, not the supreme one, yes, but the ordinary one is still there. So, when, um, if you have still bishops in their dioceses, you can still go on up to the new election of a new pope. After a few days, or a year, or two, or whatever. But you must have if you don't have papacy at the moment, you must have the effects of papacy, which is, which are for us in this moment, for what uh, concerns this uh, conference, uh, the presence of ordinary bishops having jurisdiction from the Pope. Otherwise, you destroy every ordinary jurisdiction, and there is no delegate jurisdiction without the ordinary one. Maybe we, we have to explain a bit of these terms, I think. Okay. We have seen the jurisdiction is the power of governing the church. We have seen that in the episode of collegiality. is a power coming from our Lord, which is necessary not only for the to make some things, to do some things, but to, for the church to exist as she is, and not to be another one, maybe. Uh, it exists in our Lord, sure, always. Our Lord gives it to the Pope, and the Pope to the bishops and other people, sometimes, but by divine right to the bishops in their dioceses, not all bishops, otherwise we would be in Lumen Gentium, uh, the Council. Uh, in this way, the Church exists, firstly, as a society, and that society, such a society, not another one, what defines a society, makes it to be herself, itself, is the relations of the members and the authority with the members and the authority, uh, yeah, yes, with the members and the members with the authority. And what kind of relations exist, the kind of relations that exist defines that the society best says that it is that society and not another one. So we have as the formal cause of the church jurisdiction coming from our Lord to the Pope and by the Pope to the bishops in their dioceses and then in other ways to other people delegate. Uh, this is essential to the existence of the church. When you the, the uh, all jurisdiction, all ordinary jurisdiction, as they do, the church is no longer herself. Simply, it's another thing. If it still exists, it's another thing. Because you don't have 
the papacy, but not only the Pope, the living Pope. Obviously, this is not always the case. Sometimes the Pope dies, but you not do, do, do no longer have the Pope and the effects of the presence of the Pope. So you destroy papacy totally, which means that papacy becomes, as for the modernists, paradoxically, an accessory of the Church, because today we can have the Church, according to them, the Roman Church, without Pope, without bishops, having received from him jurisdiction, which means that we have nothing. Uh, And so papacy, the Church still works and exists for them without papacy. So papacy was always, unless uh, not necessary, according to them, because they can go on, they do not say to you, uh, we have to, this situation must stop in some way because otherwise there is something wrong. No, according to them, you can go on forever. We have gone on for uh, 60 years now, 50, 60 years, so why not forever? Everything works. So why not before? What was papacy for? Not for the existence of the church, for something more accidental we can have or not have, and the church is still there. This cannot work, obviously. This is nonsense, simply, for a Catholic. Because with their thesis, they are saying to us that the church can exist without papacy forever. Is that possible? Even our common, the common sense of a faithful says in Italy, we say, morto un papa se ne fa un altro. When a pope dies, you make another one. You don't stay forever without. Or you, according to them, you can, you can stay forever without. We don't say that. We say, you can have a moment without because there is still what he gave, the pope gave to the church. It's still there in the bishops, in their diocese. That's why he can die and we have the time to elect a new one. Because what he did for the existence of the church is still there. That's very simple. Very simple. The set of a contest by making this this claim that the papacy has that because of his errors that, that he is he is no longer the Pope and, and no longer acting as the Pope, they're essentially making the papacy superfluous superfluous to the to the church and yes. we know from doctrine of the church that that is impossible because our lord has given the papacy to the church and said upon this rock i will build my church he he has given us this papacy so this is contradictory to the way that the church is set up entirely to save the dogma of infallibility according to them still they destroy the primacy the the necessity of the papacy and they haven't. They, they they don't seem to 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 worry about that. They don't seem to notice that. They don't seem to notice that they are saying that we can have a church without papacy potentially forever. Right. I give you an example, very the, the simplest example of the problem. What many people are sometimes shocked by this example because it touches everybody. Uh, it's uh, the example of confession. Hmm? Okay. Confession, we know by the doctrine of the church, it's not an opinion. To confess somebody, a priest, must be a priest, firstly, by, that's the essence of the minister. So he received the power of confessing people in his ordination, there is no doubt. But there is a condition to confess people is to have jurisdiction upon them because confession is a kind of um, judgment. It's a tribunal, the tribunal of confession. So the minister must have as a condition to use his power of orders, in that case, the possession of jurisdiction. This is not uh, discussed. This is a dogma of the church. Nostra de Vacantis would deny that at all. Obviously, usually, uh, the Pope gives to uh, bishops this power, as we have seen, and then the bishops to the priest in many ways, and then you go to confess. If you don't have a priest, doesn't have this power, 
he can confess anyway, for example, in the cases of necessity, of danger of death, to, as we know. But even in that case, he receives, for the moment of he needs to confess, uh, for example, a dying man, he needs to receive, by the delegation of the authority, the power of jurisdiction, just for that moment, but he has it. Even the society, when we do, didn't have the power of jurisdiction to confess people from the Pope, we said, okay, we are in the case of necessity. So, because heresy is everywhere, it's like when somebody is dying, there is a, necess a grave necessity, a common grave necessity that allows every priest to confess, to have jurisdiction to confess in the moment he's required to do that. This is according to canon law and divine law. And this is, even for Sedevacantis, this is clear, because they know they don't have jurisdiction, the priests and the bishops. They are bishops and priests. So they say, in case of necessity, everybody can confess. That's fine. But the problem is, by whom you receive this jurisdiction if nobody has it, according to them? By whom? If I am a Sedevacantis priest, who is giving me, according to me, not according to reality, but according to my opinion, right. who is giving to me the power of confessing? There is no ordinary bishops. There are no ordinary bishops. There is no pope. So who is giving? Not the church. The church has, is not a kind of uh, spirit or doesn't come from uh, the air jurisdiction. It comes from people having it in different ways, even in extraordinary ways when it is, uh, there is a necessity, as we have seen, but it comes from somebody having it ordinarily, usually in, his, in himself. So, the bishop in, the, in his diocese or the pope. No, nobody else. Nobody else. So, they can I make sure I, I have this, uh, can I make sure I understand this, Father? Sorry for, for interrupting. So, in the case of, of even a priest who is laicized, who has been disciplined, let's say, um, and, and I'm dying on the side of the road, yes. he can hear my confession, it is valid, I die, yes. I'm okay. Yes, it's he true. gets yeah. that, hopefully, um, but he gets that jurisdiction mm -hmm. through the proper channels, even though he doesn't normally have it. Yes. But what you're saying is the set of a contest, if, if there's a set of a contest priest who says there is no one with jurisdiction, then logically you've cut that thread of jurisdiction. Therefore, yes, they, they, they do not know how to answer to that. Actually, I give you I'll give you then some examples, but they cannot explain where this jurisdiction is from for them. Of course, we say that obviously if they are priests, they can confess uh, in the case of necessity, which is everywhere now uh, because it's general today. And they can confess receiving jurisdiction from Pope Francis, you know, uh, even right. if they don't want to. But right. that's the reality. Uh, uh, but they cannot explain for themselves and for us or for uh, because there is no authority. So what 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 can they answer? Some of them got, went. To, they said, well, "Our Lord has jurisdiction, so we receive jurisdiction from our Lord." But this is crazy, crazy. Why? Because you are saying that papacy is useless. You are saying the same thing as Lumen Gentium, as, as Lumen Gentium. We, we have seen. So you are saying that there is somebody, yourself for example, in some cases, it doesn't matter, that can receive jurisdiction directly from our Lord, and this person is not the Pope. So you are destroying the monarchy of papacy. We do not believe that absolutely. We believe that every jurisdiction in on earth comes through the Pope. And there is no jurisdiction not coming through the Pope. Jurisdiction of bishops in their diocese comes through the Popes to them, and then maybe to other people from the bishops, okay. But without the Pope, there is no possible jurisdiction on earth, even not from hearing a confession of a dying man. When the Pope is dead, you have from the bishop, for example, by delegation, by extraordinary delegation, doesn't matter, but you have from the bishop who received it from the Pope. 
So there is no possibility of remission of sin without the keys of St. Peter. This is what Boniface VIII said. Every man to be uh, saved has to submit to the power of the Pope and to, to the power of the keys. This is very, it's not some kind of submission of, I don't know, of what kind. It means that you cannot confess without the Pope. The power right. of keys. You cannot confess without oh. the Pope. So, uh, they cannot answer to that. They cannot. One of their priests here in Italy, very clever man, he wanted to answer to that. And you know what he did. What he did. There is a conference in the internet. He quoted a manual of um, uh, moral theology, very important, what Merkelbach, a German theologian, talking about confession and explaining what I have said to you. You can read it, I can send you the references. It explains that you need orders and jurisdiction, jurisdictions come from the Pope and so on, and everything. He quoted him, him cutting a sentence. Because uh, he said, this theologian says, uh, that jurisdiction for uh, confession comes uh, uh, for, by a divine, a divine disposition, and he cut the sentence, but he says, comes from divine disposition through the Pope as the minister of divinity. The sentence is that, and he cut that in the middle of the very middle of the sentence. And it's not a stupid man. So I think they know that something is not working in their thesis. I, I, at least the, the main one of them, I don't know. I think they know that, that there is something that is not working, I think. Uh, they cannot ignore that you cannot have church, existence of the church, and even confession, which is quite important. For example, for example, confession without papacy, you cannot. Right. And just and to be clear, Father, can I can I say, I, I, and I'm I'm assuming here, you're not saying that confessions done by priests who are set of a contest are invalid. You're not saying no, that. No, no, no. You're saying that there is a logical flaw that they're missing when they make this argument. Confession is an example, as I said, jurisdiction necessary right. for the church to exist simply, and to exist right. as such as the Roman church, which is Roman because there is only one rock holding all the building. Uh, I'm saying that they cannot explain where the jurisdiction to confess comes from. It comes to every priest in the state of necessity, even a heretical priest, instead of a vacantist priest, priest of the society, or every priest not having it usually receives jurisdiction in the moment of uh, the danger of death, for example. Uh, the question is by whom, and they have not an answer. O obviously, they can confess also, but we know where they co their jurisdiction is from because we believe there is a hierarchy modernist hierarchy, but it exists. Uh, they cannot say where they have jurisdiction from unless they say that it comes from our Lord. You know, as the Vacantis told me once, to say that they have not the answers, uh, another one, another the Vacantis, he told me that, oh, you know, there is not a, there's not a problem because bishops, they have, so the Vacantis bishops, hmm? bishops in their consecration, ordination, they have jurisdiction, they receive jurisdiction, which is the error of uh, Lumen Gentium, condemned by the church. So it, it's, it's unlike, it's, it's something. So to, to, to justify their position, obviously some of them, uh, maybe in good faith, I don't know, <laughs> they have to, to, to recur to, to the errors of Lumen Gentium. So they say, so bishops, ordained bishops, receive jurisdiction from ordination, so it's fine. So also the priest from them, which is false, simply unacceptable. But to, so to that say that they're utilizing they, they, the they, errors that they've been fighting against. Yes, which is yeah. paradox, a paradox. I don't know if they are complete, not all of them, certainly some of them I think are aware that there is something wrong there. Uh, but you realize that there is a problem in their thesis. Does it work? They, and all of them. All this, the vacantist thesis have this problem. The priest that answered to me, so to speak, 
uh, is from of the thesis of Casticiacum. You know, it's one or the main one maybe today. Uh, they say they are no popes. They are no popes, not at all, or bishops according to uh, jurisdiction, the power of jurisdiction. Uh, but if they become Catholic, they are the people who are, are receiving the power of jurisdiction. You don't need to do a conclave because there is a material succession. So Pope Francis is to, tomorrow agrees with us, the vacantist, uh, he becomes the real Pope. For others, the vacantist, uh, you don't have, uh, you have nothing, so Pope Francis is nothing, I will not, will be nothing, uh, even if he becomes right. a Catholic. I was just going to bring but that up. This there seems to be doesn't, a, sorry, yes, sorry. This thesis, Casiciacum, maybe tells you how things can change, but not how they are working today. There is anyway not hierarchy today huh, for them. So, so this is that middle position of Sedevacantism. So what we've been talking about is this, uh, the, the main Sedevacantism. We, we are talking about all Sedevacantism. All, okay. all kind of, kinds of Sedevacantism. Because what they have in common is to deny that today we have a hierarchy. Okay, so I even think those they would who not hold object this, even those who hold this sede privationist theory mm -hmm. that so uh, the current occupant he was elected properly, Pope Francis he was elected properly, but he lacks the authority, he lacks the ability to teach or to govern mm -hmm. until he uh, rejects yes. the, the changes, um, until he recants his modernism. Uh, yes. This is the same. Same thing. The same thing because they are saying anyway that today we have not hierarchy. We not we, we, we haven't had a hierarchy for sixty years. So the problem is exactly the same. It's not because you know who could become a, the Pope tomorrow that this changes. Then their thesis has a lot of other um, problems. Uh, for example, they say I make an example. They say if the bishop of uh, Milan uh, tomorrow, that uh, is not a real bishop actually for them, obviously, huh? but that man who is sitting on the chair of Milan becomes Catholic, he becomes the bishop, really. Hmm. But how, I, I wonder, if there is no pope? Hmm. If there right. is no pope having jurisdiction, who is giving to him jurisdiction to become the real bishop? And someone, and uh, someone one of them... And who That's decides another that? Problem. Is That's it, another problem. Is it you, Father? Is it me? I mean, who decides when he actually becomes the bishop? That's another problem. Who decides when Pope Francis becomes Catholic? Uh, who? Them, maybe. But this is another problem. I want to, 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 to think that this is possible, as they say, but to show that in any way this doesn't work. But this is another problem, actually. Yes, who is the who, is, who can tell us when is the moment that Pope Francis becomes a real Catholic, or Bergoglio becomes a real Catholic, and so becomes Pope Francis? Who? Right. That's another problem. That's another problem. Right. With all yes. due respect, Father, I hope it's not up to you. Just, just an average priest. <laughs> I mean, uh, that would be scary. That's that the same problem is uh, at the, the beginning. Who is has, has decided that when Paul the Sixth or John the Twenty Third uh, was no longer Catholic? That's another. Yes, they can say okay, but you can see that because they say they say heresies. Heresies are clear to everybody. So in that moment, which is quite simple to say, but a bit less to to demonstrate. But right. we have talked up to now as if everything they said was possible. Uh, okay. So they are heretics, certainly, without any doubt, and so on. We, are, we have seen that in that perspective. So to have a complete answer that works in any scenarios, in any case, what we have said works, or what they say doesn't work. <laughs> yes. Right. Wow, that's very interesting. Um, it, it reminds me of a conversation I was having with someone who said, well, the, um, I, I know that Christ said that, that the church would never fail, but look, mm -hmm. look at everything that has happened. It must have happened. And mm -hmm. I said to them, 
who are you to decide that the church has failed? Like, yes, things are bad. Things are really bad. But how yes. do we say that the church has failed? To, to make that definitive statement, that's yes. big. But we can we, we have to find an explanation to that problem. But if the explanation is that uh, anyway the hierarchy disappeared, the church has disappeared. It's not just failed. It's even worse. Right. The church right. or the church changed completely, becomes a different society where the relations between the members and the authority are different than before than they used to be. But this is as heretic as to say that it's, it's disappeared. So you have to find something different. Uh, in this conference, we will maybe say something about a different solution. But what we must focus on is that their solution is that cannot work. Before going look for another solution, you have to see that this one is wrong. Simply, it's wrong. It doesn't work. Okay. Uh, okay. I tell you another problem they sometimes uh, they talk about. They say, oh, what you, you say, you, you see, maybe, but how can you say that somebody who is a heretic, like Pope Francis, uh, or John Paul II, I don't know, and uh, he's not a member of the church, so how can he be the head of the church when he's not even a member of it? Because to be a member of the church, you have to, be, to, have, to have faith, not to be a heretic, which is true, in, partially true. Uh, that is that's it's a problem, a part of the solution of the different solution uh, to under, to start to understand that there is there are other possibilities. They say that okay, but we have to put that in not just juridical terms, but I say would say essential metaphysical terms. If what they say is to be taken strictly, that would mean that profession of heresy, external profession of heresy, and possession of jurisdiction are not compatible, cannot stay together in, uh, in their being, in their essence, metaphysically. Like you cannot be white and not white, or uh, tall and not tall, right. you know, uh, on the same on, uh, sense. In the same sense, um, it's impossible. Men and not men. Uh, now, uh, if this was true, what we have said just before about heretical priest hearing confession of a man in danger of death would be impossible too. Because we have a man, a priest, professing heresy, and receiving jurisdiction at least for a moment. But if this is metaphysically impossible, this would not be possible even to confess a man in a dying man. Because essentially they cannot stay together. So if the church admits that a heretic can have jurisdiction to confess a dying man, and nobody can discuss that, not Catholic. That means that the incompatibility, not co it's not of uh, metaphysical, of divine right. It is there is certainly a law in the church not allowing heretics to have jurisdiction, at least usually. But it is a, a law of the church, an ecclesiastical law. Strictly right. speaking, the two things can be together. Some of the ancient theologians, they sometimes forget to quote, because they know a lot of them, said that, they, that you could have a schismatic pope. So a pope who is not a member of the church for schism, but I heard it would be the same thing. Somebody who is not a member of the church can be the pope, according to... Uh, Cayetanus, for example, or Torquemada, the theologian, the cardinal, uh, they said, yeah, you can have a schismatic pope in some, uh, if he does some things, for example, change all the ceremonies of the church, 
uh, like starting a new church. So he doesn't want to be a member of the church. And he governs the church as a prince who is outside of it, and like a secular prince, uh, governing from the outside as a side. So this is was thought by the same theologians they sometimes like to quote. So it's possible for somebody who is not a member of the church to be to have jurisdiction and maybe also to be the head of it. Even heretics have they are not member of the members of the church, but have some if they are baptized validly a kind of relation to the church. You know that the church can make laws for them. They are subjects to the church. That means that they can receive jurisdiction to confess if they are priests. Uh, so that means that there is some kind, not of membership, but relations of the heretics baptized with the church. And so maybe they can hold jurisdiction within the church. For some reasons, this is possible. So even mm-hmm. the main argument of the vacantism, which is... No, you are wrong because if he's heretic, he's not a member of the church, so he cannot be the Pope at all. And in, I can destroy the church, to, but this cannot be possible. The church can disappear, but a heretic cannot be a member and not, at the end, and not the head of the church. This is not so absolute as they would like to say to us. It's not mm. so absolute. So, if the price of admitting that at every cost is to destroy the church, it's clear that their solution is wrong, and you have to look elsewhere. So maybe, maybe the problem is not what they are, popes, bishops, and so on, but what they do. You have to put the question not about the possession of authority, which is necessary to make the church exist. But to put the question a bit lower, what they do, their actions, are their actions, all their actions, some of their actions, still the actions of the authority, or can they do actions which comes just from, come just from um, and other, uh, other qualities of them, not the, the jurisdiction or the uh, power of teaching they have. If I am a priest, not every action I do is a priestly one. Right. When I eat, I eat as a man. When I say Mass, the quality of the priesthood which, in, which is uh, within me goes into action, so, so to speak, so to, to be simple. Uh, and this, so it's for papacy. The man being Pope can do actions which are not coming from papal authority, are human actions simply. And even can talk without using and say things about faith without using papal authority, because teaching is a human act, so it's an act of will. So if you do not want to use the power when you talk, uh, when or you want to teach, but not not just not only infallible, infallibly, but even not as the magisterium of the church, but just in another way. Doesn't matter now how. This could be the way of finding a solution. So they say heresies, but not using the authority. You don't need to deny the possession of the authority. You deny, so to speak, the use of it, and this is more. This is simple as a possible solution, and this doesn't destroy the existence of the church. So you can just move uh, down uh, and, right. and say, okay, they are popes. They have the being of the papacy. They have uh, the first act of being, but not the second act. They do not pass into action. Because they don't want, and not because they cannot. Because, or because, as the Archbishop said, of their liberal mindset, because of many reasons, this is not now the moment of explaining or trying to explain and trying to explain, they don't want to use the power. So they can also say, there is sometimes, 
And even if they become heretics, they are still having authority within the church. Because if we say, if we say uh, in another way, the church finishes its exi- her existence. So you admit that they are still there, they hold possession of the authority, but they do not want to use it to teach so they can be wrong and say wrong things with sometimes good ones maybe, but even wrong because they do not come from the authority they have because of their will simply and not because they cannot, just because they don't want. Because they do not believe actually very much in papacy as we have seen in Lumen Gentium, for example. So this is just to say that there are other possible solutions. You do not need to annihilate the entire structure of the church as it is founded by our Lord, to change it substantially, to solve the problem of the errors and heresies of these people. You don't need, don't need that. Wow. That, that is, um, that's fascinating. Uh, and, and that helps quite a bit too, Father, because like I said towards the beginning, um, there are definitely some of these positions that do seem to well, not make sense, but they, you, you feel, uh, you feel sorry for, for, for these positions that, that they're holding and you go, yes. well, I, I can see how you think that. Um, but, but as you said, you said, lowering it from this idea of, uh, hmm. lowering, lowering the bar, so to speak, um, is, is a much better solution. Like you said, without destroying the entire hierarchy of the church. And without touching the dogma of infallibility, because infallibility right is connected, it's an action of God, of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost, connected with some kind of actions that the Pope wants to do. And it's not even a question, as sometimes they say, you say that there is a kind of magisterium which is not infallible, and this is heretic, this is just rubbish, as the English would say, uh, the British. Uh, it doesn't matter. Magisterium is an act of will of the Pope, and he can use this uh, power at the degree he likes, from infallibility at the top, or, or, or other ones, sometimes if he likes, or not once, or not using it, or using it in a way that is full of, of, of heresies, uh, because right. he renounced to use it. It's not the, the Pope is not, and this is very important. It's not a kind of puppet, be, but puppet being moved by the Holy Ghost. This right. would be or modernist or Stevacantist. In which sense? And I do not want to co- make put them together just because of the sake of being in the middle, which I don't like. Uh, on the contrary, there's a kind of vision of the infallibility as a providence, but this would make the church uh, prophetical, which is not Roman. Church is an institution. When you do some actions, God grants you to be infallible. Okay, that's all. Many actions, few actions, doesn't matter, as you like, as you, the Pope, like. All of them, uh, as you like. But as you want to do, juridically, in the the right terms, and so on. Uh, it's not kind of inspiration that makes you always doing the right thing. Or as the modernists would say, a kind of general uh, movement of the Holy Ghost allowing you to follow the spirit of times, which is the spirit of God, so that you become a prophet and you say always the right thing in that moment, even if you change the doctrine. This is infallibility according to the modernists, kind of divine inspirations, leading the church and the Pope maybe uh, where God wants the church to go uh, right. uh, to the new horizons uh, yes. uh, so the vacantist must not fall in something similar not equal papacy is not prophecy, it's an institution uh, so infallibility is for some actions Many actions, few actions, it doesn't matter. The actions the popes want to be infallible. You can call this magisterium, extraordinary magisterium, ordinary, I don't care. This is just talking rubbish. Uh, the important thing is that it's uh, something coming from the will of the Pope. 
wanting to do this kind of teaching. It's not a kind of uh, providence. So that whenever you say heresy, certainly you are not Pope. This even not the position of the, all the old theologians. Right. You know that there was a Pope, <laughs> and they quote him very often. Paul the Fourth, Paul the Fourth Carafa was a very severe Pope in the 16th century. Uh, he stopped the Council of Trent because the Council of Trent was too um, soft, according to him. Uh, and it, it reopened afterwards. And he was very much against the heretics, which is good. And you know, he, he wrote a bull saying, they quote always this bull, saying that if you are heretic, you cannot hold any kind of authority within the church, even papacy, obviously, and even within the kingdoms, because the Pope can make or unmake, unmake the kings. So you, if you were a heretical king, you, you fell from your position immediately, according to him, according to this book, cum ex apostolatus. Uh, they always quote that, and they say, you see, so the popes have said that if you are heretic, you are you cannot be a pope. And even if everybody's, everybody's um, um, recognizes you as the Pope, it is written, the true, that you are not the Pope anyway. But it says that. But Carafa was very, Paul IV, was very severe, it's true. And he wanted, at the beginning, but they, they don't understand what is written there. And I explain you. Uh, this is very important because that's one of the arguments, but is related to our question. Uh, when he went to the cardinals in consistory, because some of the cardinals he thought they were heretics and he hated them, so he wanted to make them out. Uh, and he said, okay, now I make a bull where it's written that everybody who is accused of being a heretic loses his, his post, his position. Uh, and everybody said, your holiness, but if he writes that, if a cardinal is my enemy, I accuse him, and he, he cannot be a pope, he cannot be a cardinal, and so on. So it is not good, you cannot do that. So he changed, and he wrote this book where it is said, the history is necessary to understand what is written. It's clear if you can read the juridical terms which are there, but the history helps you. So he changed, and he, he said in this book, that everybody who during his life, his life was condemned as a heretic cannot be Pope, Cardinal, Bishop, and if he is still, is, 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 if he is, he loses his position, which is something juridically uh, working. So if a tribunal of the church condemned you as a heretic once, you lose even the possibility, even, even if you convert, according to this law, which is no longer in vigor, but doesn't matter. You lose the, the ability the ability to be elected, for example, Pope or other things. But you, you see, it is written that if you were condemned as a heretic, not if you were a heretic or if you are a heretic, it's different. Right. It's something juridically visible, determined, uh, it's, there is a sentence that you have been a heretic so it's for you are out even if you become a good guy afterwards you are out of any position of authority this is important because it makes you see that uh, even their argument coming from this bull doesn't work and that the church is a juridical society not some kind of, uh, you cannot accuse somebody of being a heretic and he becomes a heretic. Right. Uh, doesn't work like that. But it's important to be said because they talk a lot about this bull. Then they have different positions about what is said that they are. But they, they sometimes don't understand the text of the bull. The bull always talks about people being condemned for heresy because they were caught or because they were tried in a tribunal uh, or for confession, spontaneous confession. There are always these, these three terms coming. Uh, there is not just an accusation. 
so it's important to understand that also for them sometimes. Uh, right. But it's clear that there is a juridical society, uh, not a kind of um, uh, process. And I think so the vacantists are so keen on defending papacy, which is good. And I, I am on their side about that. They must be careful not to destroy, make it superfluous, as, as we have seen, accessory, accidental to the existence of the church, because they say church can exist forever without, actually. Um, and not to make it, because of what they say about uh, infallibility, as a kind of... Uh, Puppet moved by God. This would be a bit uh, even Protestant in some way. So this kind of inspiration, continuous inspiration, is a bit scary for us Italian being used to this institution um, very heavy and uh, <laughs> um, having this solid position very juridically uh, in a very juridical sense uh, in a very juridical sense having this juridical weight on the on society uh, right yes wow well father that was that was very helpful to understand understand the position but also to understand how there are are flaws with it and how it it is untenable for us as mm. catholics so uh, thank you for taking the time to go through it with us um, it's a pleasure. I think next time we speak with you, we'll be talking about um, Pope Benedict oh, and his resignations. Yes. 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 Um, so I'm looking forward to that one as well. So thank you so much for your time, Father. I appreciate it. Thank you. And God bless you all you and too. our listeners. Thank you, Father. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to and watching episode 34 of our Crisis in the Church series here on the SSPX podcast. Coming up next time on the Crisis Series, we'll stay within the broad realm of the powers, limits, and authority of the Holy Father like we've been talking about these last couple episodes. But we'll turn next to the Second Vatican Council itself and ask the burning question, is it, by virtue of being an ecumenical council, infallible? Must Catholics adhere to it in order to be Catholic? If you have a question on the topic of the crisis, please feel free to ask it at sspxpodcast.com slash crisis. Please share this episode with someone who you think might enjoy it. And if they don't know what a podcast is, please show them so that they can take advantage of all our episodes. And finally, if you have the ability to set up a monthly recurring donation of 5 or 10 or $20 on sspxpodcast.com, it would help us immensely to complete this Crisis in the Church project. Until next time, thank you for listening and God bless you. <laughs>